Today is my last time to preach prior to going on clergy renewal leave from uh, May the 20th through August the 24th. Um, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday on the 19th of May, we will be holding a brief reception down in the parlor on the other end of the building after the 9.30 and 11 o'clock worship services. Uh, that's choir Sunday, and we're going to have everything in the sanctuary that day, so we'll be down there anyway. So if you'd like to stop by um, and hear a little bit more about uh, this renewal program and how we hope it will be a blessing to both me and my family, but also to our congregation, please uh, come, come for just a few moments. Um, the focus of this renewal leave program is intentional discipleship. Uh, discipleship is something that's hard uh, if you take it seriously, and it's something you have to commit to day by day. And so um, while today's message is fairly short, I know, good news to hear on a beautiful day outside, um, give you time to go home and grab your pets up if you'd like and uh, come and be with us this afternoon. Um, I am going to take a little bit of time at the end of the message to share uh, one devotional practice that I hope uh, you might consider uh, to participate in over the course of the next three months. And uh, we'll have some resources available for you uh, to uh, uh, learn more about this practice, and I'll talk a little bit at the end. Well, today we are continuing our It's Fine sermon series with a focus on the passive-aggressive way we sometimes use this phrase as an ultimately unsatisfying substitute for authentic forgiveness. Before we get started, let's pray. Eternal God, refresh us with your Holy Spirit. Break down the walls in our minds and in our hearts that keep us from hearing your word for us this day. Christ is risen and we are Easter people. May the light of his glorious resurrection fill us and then flow from us to others as we seek to honor and glorify you each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it wasn't too long into uh, my marriage that I messed up. I'm sure this is shocking. I know a new husband getting himself into trouble. Uh, who could have ever predicted that, right? Well, I don't remember the exact situation. Uh, somebody after the last service said, I bet your wife remembers. Uh, <laughs> that may be true. I kind of doubt she remembers the first time. <laughs> she could probably tell you the last time, but uh, anyway. Um, I don't remember the exact situation, but I do remember that I did something that I felt like I needed to apologize uh, to her for. And so after apologizing, I had hoped to hear an acceptance of my apology, uh, the words, it's okay, I forgive you. And then there would be some quick return to marital bliss. When we do uh, premarital counseling with uh, wedding couples, uh, we have this inventory that they take that's online. And one of the uh, topics that are, is covered in this online inventory is um, idealistic distortion. And that's where, you know, you think that the person that you're marrying is perfect and everything about them you love and you're always going to have great times together and there's never going to be any troubles and everything you love will get you through. But that's not true, is it? Those of you who have been married, uh, you know, it's not always perfect. 
Uh, it sometimes is difficult. Sometimes it is a struggle. Um, but um, it's good. But I was hoping that it would just return back to that marital bliss, that idealistic, distorted view of marriage. Uh, but that didn't happen. What I got instead was, it's fine. In that sharp and short tone of voice that made it clear that it definitely was not fine. And I was also definitely not forgiven. Has anyone else ever experienced that type of, I'm fine, which makes it clear to you that forgiveness is far off? Hey, I know. Nobody in the choir back there. They're all saying they don't know what I'm talking about. Most of us, I'm sure, have probably either been on the receiving end of this or may have even used this unforgiving tone towards someone else at some point, too. Well, I must admit I was a little bit caught off guard by this response from my new spouse. Uh, it was not that I had never experienced this type of I'm fine before. I had a grandmother and a mother who were quite proficient at it. And unfortunately, whether intentional or not, this subtle form of unforgiveness, uh, I remember growing up, often produced a measure of guilt in me, but it didn't bring healing to our relationship. I didn't feel better with, I'm fine. And I don't think they really felt better either. As I got older, somewhere along the way, I came upon our scripture for today, in the book of Ephesians. Again, it said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Well, it seemed when I read this scripture that this just made sense. You know, there are scriptures that need a lot of interpretation. That, you know, but this wasn't one of them. This was pretty clear to me. If Jesus could bother to come down to earth and be God with us, if Jesus could bother to then die on the cross for my sins and then bother to be resurrected so that all creation could experience new life in him, then I guess I could bother to forgive someone too. It made sense. Well, from that point on, I made the decision to let the example of Christ's gracious offering of forgiveness to us all to be a light of my life. I began to realize that it was equally unhealthy not to apologize when I messed up as it was for me to withhold forgiveness from someone who apologized to me. So I trusted that Christ, the source of all forgiveness and healing, would empower me through the Holy Spirit for this difficult and sometimes messy work. And don't kid yourself, it is messy sometimes. There's a difference between forgiving and forgetting. I recognize that. I'm not naive. This isn't pie in the sky. Oh, yeah, all by and by stuff. This is reality. It isn't always easy. And what I'd say to that is this. Trust and forgiveness are not the same thing. Sometimes somebody does something that you can forgive them for, but that doesn't repair the trust that they have lost from you at that moment. Now, trust, I think, can be repaired. It can be rebuilt. 
and it should be rebuilt, but it takes longer than forgiveness. You can forgive somebody like that. You can say the little word, I forgive you. You can say the little word, I'm sorry. I also realized that there was no benefit in delaying forgiveness. Sometimes I think we convince ourselves that withholding forgiveness makes the other person squirm a little bit and pay for the offense that they've committed against you. Or that somehow by withholding forgiveness, at least for a while, that would hurt the other person as much as their offense has hurt us. It rarely does either of those things. Withholding forgiveness really only hurts you. We often repay things, replay things over and over in our minds, and we often also amplify them, don't we? We start building our case against this person. All the reasons why we shouldn't forgive them. And sometimes we do what our brains do, is when we know what happened from our perspective, and we start to amplify it and get upset and get worked up, it becomes something that it wasn't ever even at all. Because in our minds, we let our minds race and wonder and build up this case because we want to have some sort of understanding of it. So we try to figure it out and then we, any details we don't have, we just fill in with whatever our mind creates for us. Sometimes I think we convince ourselves um, of these things, but it still hurts. Uh, we think that somehow, if they have as much pain as we have, that that somehow will bring some kind of wholeness and healing, but it doesn't. Passive-aggressive behavior of all forms is detrimental to maintaining authentic and healthy relationships. But when it comes to forgiveness, it is really detrimental because of the power that forgiveness has in our lives, the power that unforgiveness has in our lives. Forgiveness is a key tenet of the Christian faith for a reason. The logic of an I'm fine brand of unforgiveness is particularly flawed for Christians since God's grace, God's forgiveness is given to us freely in Jesus Christ. Christ did not and does not withhold his forgiveness from us, nor does he make us pay for our offense. Humanity was messed up in the past, it's messed up today, and it'll be messed up in the future. We are not God. Let me say that again. We are not God. And therefore, we sometimes fall short. We make mistakes. We say things that we should not say. We do things that we should not do. We have the capacity to hurt people in very minor ways and in profound ways. But Jesus Christ knew all of the ways that we sin against God and our neighbors. It is not a surprise. You are not going to create some new sin out there that Jesus can't understand or forgive. So don't try.
Jesus knew all the ways that we sin against God and our neighbors, and yet he chose to take on the sin of the world to save us. And then in Christ's glorious resurrection, he destroys the power of sin and death forever. And this is really, really, really good news. But Jesus, excuse me, the power of sin and death, which leads to division and animosity and drives unforgiveness, no longer has control over our, our lives because of Jesus. Out of his great love, he forgives in an instant and offers us his Holy Spirit to guide us to a life of forgiveness that leads to peace. Our only response is gratitude for this gift of new life, this new freedom. And because we are forgiven out of this gratitude, then we forgive others. So you might ask, then why are we so slow or so hesitant to be quick to forgive? Well, you know the reasons why you don't forgive quickly. I don't need to list a bunch of reasons. You know the reasons that are your reasons. Colossians 3.13 reinforces, though, I think our Ephesians reading, and it says, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Be quick to forgive an offense and forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. We must ask for forgiveness and we must offer forgiveness quickly because it is the only way to be restored and to restore our relationships with others and any delay can cause damage. And it's fine type of forgiveness is not forgiveness at all. It is not fine. As a witness of the power of Christ, we must readily and quickly apologize when we mess up, and we must be just as readily uh, ready to accept the apology of another and offer forgiveness. You know, if you are prone to uh, passive-aggressive, I'm fine, unforgiveness, the next time that about slips out of your mouth, when someone asks you for forgiveness, when someone apologizes to you, remember the risen Christ and hear Jesus, Jesus whispering in your ear, I forgave you, forgive others. And then instead of it's fine, say, I forgive you. I know in my life, those three short little words, I forgive you, are the best music to my ears. Because when I recognize that I've hurt someone who I care about, someone who I love, someone who I know that Jesus loves, I can't fix what I did right that second. But I want them to know that I'm sorry. And I need them to say to me that I forgive you. And I promise if we say those three simple words, I forgive you, this will bring a threefold blessing to you. To you, to the one who is forgiven, and to Jesus Christ our Lord 
the source of our healing and our wholeness. Amen. So now we're going to shift gears real quick and talk a little bit about um, something I want to share with you. Um, about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago or so, I had a moment of clarity, I guess you might say, and I recognized that I largely lived an unreflective life, that I just kind of did what I did. You know, I go out and do what I do uh, and didn't, didn't really think about why or the impact it was having on people, uh, people in my family, people in the congregation, people in the community. I just was doing things that I thought were good, so I didn't really think about them too much. It didn't reflect on them much. And then what I realized was that isn't a good thing. Uh, we all need to take some time uh, and reflect on our lives and the way that we're li living our lives and especially how we're living out our life of discipleship. And so as uh, it came about, as we were looking at this clergy renewal program, uh, the theme of intentional discipleship kept coming to mind, partially from my own circumstances. But then as I looked around and spoke to some of you and, inter and engaged with you in this community, I recognized that I was not the only one that was living a largely unreflective life. And maybe at Thanksgiving we say what we're thankful for and we reflect briefly <laughs> uh, or something like that. Uh, and maybe, you know, we, we're thankful for certain things periodically, but the consistency isn't always there. And so I started looking for some sort of resource, some sort of way to be more intentional day by day. Because I am... I am pretty well convinced uh, that discipleship can only happen. Following in the ways of Jesus can only happen day by day because it's too darn hard to do it any other way. <laughs> if you think some grand scheme out years in advance, you'll never get there. You've got to just do it one day at a time and trust in the grace and the love of God and people around you who love and care for you and support you and encourage you along the way. So, I found this, this thing, uh, it's uh, um, Ignatius of Loyola uh, first came up with it, and he came up with it because his monk friends, his brothers, uh, were struggling to find time to pray in all their busyness and reflect on their lives. And so he came up with this thing called the examen, it's E-X-A-M-E-N, and this is an Ignatian spiritual practice, uh, and it helps us to see God in all things. And it uses a couple of short daily reflection questions and a simple prayer uh, that we'll provide for you if you'd like to participate in this. And the idea of it is this. Um, I do it in the evening. You know, monks and people that are farther down the line than me sometimes do it at lunchtime. Some even do it like every hour reflecting on their day. Um, I would suggest bedtime right before you go to sleep. Take about five or ten minutes. Um, it'll probably get a little longer as you get better at it and get more, get more in tune to seeing God at work around you and, and see patterns developing. But the idea is that when you sit down before you go to sleep, get yourself in a spirit of prayer and welcome Christ's spirit in. Just take a breath and say, Lord, be with me during this time. Then just give thanks for the day. Um, when I was at St. Paul Brightwood United Methodist Church, a largely African-American congregation, we always had prayer time. There were only about 20 people there usually, so we could all say a prayer concern, and we had time. So, uh, plus 
service is like an hour and 45 minutes long. Anyway, so uh, we didn't care about time. We figured we could give God as much time as God needed that day. And so people would stand up and they would just get up and they would say things like, I just want to thank God for getting me out of bed today uh, and being in his presence and being able to serve him one more day. And I started thinking to myself every time I heard that, I'm like, when was the last time I got out of bed and just thanked God for being alive? Or being alive one more day with someone who we love. Because at some point that day, the next day doesn't come. So we got to be thankful every day for the people, the pets, <laughs> everybody who we have in our lives day by day. So just give thanks for the gift that God has given you of life in a new day and be grateful for it. So that doesn't take too long. Just thank God. <laughs> then you review the day. You think back. You started breakfast. Well, Lord, I made a bad choice. I ate 16 donuts instead of something healthy. You know, sometimes you got to admit to that stuff. But think about your day and think about the encounters that you have with people. Think about your words. Think about what you watch or what you listen to. Think about how those things impact you. And think about your work. And both recognize when God, think about both where you recognize God and shine forth Christ's light, and also well, where you fell short. Then face up to those shortcomings. Just say, oh, I missed that opportunity now that I look back on it. This person said this to me, and I didn't realize what that meant until just now. Man, I should have said that to them. That would have been just the right thing to say. Have you ever had that happen? The second you walk away from somebody, you're like, oh, man, I wish I had just thought of that a moment sooner. So think about those places where maybe you fell a little bit short and then say, God, help me with those things. Help me to be more in tune tomorrow. Uh, what I've found is some things that start happening as you realize patterns. Like for me, one of my patterns was when I'm tired, I'm less um, likely to engage with people relationally um, at a very more than just superficial level. Like I just feel like I don't, I'm tired, I don't have the emotional energy for it, so I just try to either avoid or I try to just, yeah, 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 and kind of move on like I'm busy. So what I've realized about myself after doing this uh, for over a year and thinking about my days is I need to not engage people or not be in places where there's people around me until I'm ready. So if it's the morning when I'm refreshed and renewed, that's when I need to find time to be with people. It may not be at 11 o'clock at night. If you're a night owl, that might be exactly when you need to be with people, and there are people out there at that time if you really need somebody to talk to. Go to Kroger or something. There's people there. Um, go to the hospital. See whose light's on. Talk to them. Um, there's places and things you can do. But you begin to see these patterns. And, and so you start to learn and you start to grow and you start to see how God's working on you and revealing things to you. Then you look forward to the next day. So you think just briefly about maybe what I got going tomorrow. Is there anything I need God to help me with? But then you also pray that you can just be in tune to God's movement around you. That you just recognize God. I remember my daughter when she was little. And I always attributed this because she was close to the ground. But we'd be walking, you know, walking along and all of a sudden, ah! she'd throw on the brakes 
And I'd be like, give her a little bit of tug, thinking, ah, come on, come on. And she'd resist. And then she'd kind of kneel down. And then I'd kneel down to see what she's looking at. And there'd be like a bunch of ants coming. Well, I probably walked past that spot 50 times and never once saw the ants because I'm a big shot, you know. What do ants have to do with my life? But when you pause and you reflect and you take time to pay attention to what God is doing around you, you never know what you might find. And to think that you can be an instrument of God is pretty cool too. You know, God has made us his instruments, his flesh and blood here on earth to share his message of love and grace for the whole world. I know, kind of <laughs> a lot of responsibility, but also amazing and then the last thing you do is you just bask in the grace of God knowing the ways you were great today and the ways you shine forth Christ's light well made God smile and the ways you fell short God's grace will cover those things too and you just go to bed knowing God's going to continue to work. God doesn't sleep while you're asleep. God's got this. Go to sleep, rest, and know tomorrow, if tomorrow comes for you, you have an opportunity to join him in his work again in the world. So my hope is <laughs> that while I'm doing this for uh, the three months I'm away, that you might try doing this as well. I'm going to have a resource available at that little reception on the 19th. It'll be on our website and other places. It's, the actual exam is only this long, so I elaborated way more than what it requires, okay? I just wanted to give you some examples, too, um, of how it's had an impact on my life and let you know that I think it would also bear fruit in your life. Um, because as we rely on God day by day and trust in his spirit, it's amazing how God can use us in powerful ways and we also can have opportunities to offer forgiveness because we're paying attention again. We have opportunities to offer love. We have opportunities to offer support. And we have opportunities to receive those things too. So I hope during this time away that we can all be blessed uh, through this process. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to this time. I'll miss all of you. It's not my going away party today, so I probably should save all that till another day. But anyway, um, I will miss you, um, and we look forward to uh, growing together during this time so that when we come back together, uh, we can be energized and renewed to have an impact for Christ here in our community and around the world.